Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura, and today I will be summarizing our group's discussion of Hour 8 of Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler, going over the section that was about the book of Job. Chapter 1 sets the stage for the whole story where we get a description of just how wealthy Job was. And then we get transported, as it were, to the throne of God where Satan is showing up. And God says these very famous words, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him in the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. So from the outset, it is obvious that God considers Job one of his children. Yet God brings Job to Satan's attention and then lets Satan go ahead with his ideas of trying to demoralize Job. And yet God uses that to teach Job things. Then we have Job's three friends or counselors or advisors show up and try to set him straight and tell him what he's done wrong and why he's getting this punishment in their view. They are, in essence, a representation of ungodly accusations. They do not represent God. They use some religious language, some human wisdom, and they try and accuse Job of things that he does not need to be accused of. Basically, they were claiming to speak for God when he definitely hadn't spoken to them, and they were asking the wrong questions. And a parallel was drawn between uh, the incident with Jesus and the blind man in the New Testament, where the disciples assumed that someone had sinned, and that's why the blind man was blind, and Jesus set them straight. Just like with Job, the blind man shows us, and Jesus explains to us, that our lives are part of a bigger picture, and God is doing things in our lives, both through us and for us, that we're not necessarily aware of. And just to reiterate, everything that Satan did was very specifically limited by God. He had to get God's permission to do any of it. But at the same time, the hardships all came from Satan. All of this reminded us of things we had read in Watchman Nee's book, Sit, Walk, Stand, and that is that we have everything we need in Christ. We are in Christ, and there is nothing that the tempter can do to knock us out of that. We discussed the difference between godly conviction by the Holy Spirit and the kind of condemnation that has us wallowing in guilt. Now, while it is true that you could take a godly conviction and respond to it the wrong way, the fact is that anything God does in that regard, he is trying to get us to come to him, much like the prodigal son. He doesn't want to sit there and hit us over the head constantly with what we've done wrong. He simply wants us to turn to him. 
The screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis were brought up as a more contemporary uh, attempt to talk about this idea of the demonic powers trying to waylay us or demoralize us. Someone mentioned that there is a play form of the screw tape letters uh, put on uh, predominantly by a fellow named Max. McLean, and I will put a link to that, but I will be honest and tell you that I don't generally enjoy things that focus so much on the demonic. I know they're there and I don't need to get into it more than that. So I'm just putting a link there because it was mentioned. In getting back to Job's three counselors, this is an example of where you can't just take a section of the book of Job and quote it as somehow being wisdom from God, because there are large sections of these guys speaking that God later refutes. So it's you really need to have the context of what is going on to know what to do with what these fellows said. And then we got into discussing the fact that this is a real book, a nonfiction story told in a literary way that also mentions several very profound scientific um, phenomena and details in specific detail about the design of the earth, uh, things that would have happened before even Job was alive. This highlights the fact that the Bible is not an unscientific book, whether or not certain religious people or organizations sometimes come to the wrong conclusions. But beyond even that, there are things in that are accepted in the wider non-Christian or among non-Christian scientists that have less basis, in fact, than the book of Job. And one resource for delving into that was a film by Ben Stein called Expelled, and it talks about intelligent design, and I will put a link to that. Another book that was mentioned is the book Mathematics, God is Not Silent. One of the main premises of this book is that all the main scientists come to a point in their explorations and discoveries where God is very apparent and they can either accept that or they can make a very obvious choice to deny it simply because they don't want to admit it. There's a lot more that could be said and and was discussed about evolution in general and the absurdity of it, and I will link to the website Answers in Genesis, which is a very good resource for discussing those things. I want to finish up by telling you just a short little story of something that happened to me when I was in junior high. I was attending a Bible camp in the summer, and also in attendance was a young lady in her 20s who was mentally handicapped. She attended with the junior high kids, probably because of her physical maturity, but her mental capacity was probably a little younger than than the junior high. It was obvious that she was mentally challenged. And I had never really had much interaction with someone like that. And I felt some sorrow at what I perceived to be the injustice of her situation, of her lack of wholeness. For whatever reason, I decided to go talk to God about it and pray, and I had my Bible with me. And I ended up looking in the book of Job, and I don't generally go for open your Bible and see what it tells you, but uh, in this case, my Bible opened up to Job chapter 40, and I was introduced to Job like I never had been before in my life. And in Job chapter 40, it says, Moreover, Yahweh answered Job, Shall he who argues contend with the Almighty? 
He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered Yahweh, Behold, I am of small account. What will I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit taught me that though there is hardship and things that aren't right that God allows in this earth, that there is no excuse for blaming him for them or for being angry with him about them. I saw that he had his reasons for allowing that young lady to be in the situation she was, and I should accept that. This experience all those years ago probably had a lot to do with why when our daughter was very ill and then died of leukemia when she was almost 14 years old, I didn't get angry. I think God had prepared my heart. And then one final postscript about the book of Job. I have always found it amusing that in the very last verses where it talks about the multitude of blessings, the double portion in biblical terms of the blessings, uh, that he got so many animals, and then he also had seven sons and three daughters. It doesn't talk any more about the sons, but it describes the three daughters, mentions them by name, and talks about the fact that they get an inheritance. This is a very early example of just how much God esteems women, that he would mention them in the book like that. So that's all for now. Next time, we should be discussing the Psalms. Thanks for listening and see you next time. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 